All right, everybody, welcome to the 10-minute drill. As you know, AJ and I are huge NBA fans, and this offseason has been very, very entertaining. Uh, let's start again with the Paul George deal, man. I know that you thought you thought it was a good deal, right, from what I remember what you said? Yeah, I, th- I mean, it's. I was just surprised that the Thunder were the team that went out and got Paul George. I figured he would be traded, but the Thunder really just floored me with the fact that they were the ones that went and did it. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the boat where it's like, I'm not saying that they got ripped off in a deal. I just don't see why they did it. I understand that you're getting Paul George. I understand you're getting one of the better players in the league, but it's just a rental. So why would you do it? Yeah, I mean, to me, now when I th- I put up a reaction piece Friday night, literally right when it happened, I was that surprised. I had to get it up. And at that point, they had said, oh, it's just going to be, it's, it includes Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis. Right. So I was expecting it to include more, dra- given everything what it seemed like the Pacers were holed out for, given that the Pacers were being offered draft picks from the Celtics and all that, it seemed like they're out for a big bundle. And then here they go, taking just Oladipo and Sabonis. So Sabonis as a player, I think he's a good young player. I think he could be a quality player in the NBA. Because he's not going to be his dad, but he could be good. But I was surprised that it didn't include other draft picks. So yeah, me from too. that standpoint, it's like, okay, the Thunder really – you got to keep Russell Westbrook happy, and that's what I said Friday night. All right, well, we have a call here from Aaron Omar Baker, and he says that basically, you know, this might not be a one-year thing. He kind of, I don't think he disagrees with me, but he's saying, you know, you have to go after Paul George. Here, we'll, we'll just listen to him and see what he has to say. What's up, guys? Love the show. Uh, Aaron Omar Baker here, by the way. So a um, couple quick thoughts. Number one, holy shit is right. Number two, it's amazing how the NBA offseason – the trades, the free agency, the draft are all highly, highly entertaining, much more entertaining than the playoffs were. And number three, I'm curious to see how exactly uh, Westbrook and Paul George are going to operate together in the backcourt. I wonder how the chemistry is going to be. And I wonder if, depending on how this year goes, I think there's a higher chance than maybe we're giving uh, giving them credit for. There's a higher chance that they actually do retain Paul George past the one year. Maybe it's not just a one year rental. Maybe it's just a trial period that is going to lead to them eventually uh, keeping him a little bit longer based on the chemistry that he and Westbrook are able to build. Keep up the great work, guys. So, Aaron, I do agree that this is a very entertaining offseason. I'm loving it. And you actually mentioned in the call how they're going to get along in the backcourt. AJ, I don't know about you, man, but I see some friction, man. Westbrook is not the type of point guard I want to play with if I'm a backcourt mate. I, he just seems very erratic. He doesn't seem to be giving the ball to his teammates on time when they need it. I know he led the league in assists. I know he had a triple-double, but those type of assists seem kind of empty. I, I don't know how they're going to be able to coexist, to be completely honest with you. One thing that I thought was perfect, I saw this on Twitter after the trade. It said, Paul George was complaining about C.J. Miles getting the last shot on a te- on his team, and now he's on a team with Russell Westbrook. So when you think about it like that, I think they can uh, cohabitate on the floor like that. I think it's a better – I think they mesh better than James Harden and Chris Paul do. Is that's If we're comparing well, dynamic duos that were put together in I the disagree. offseason. I disagree. Different types of players, but I just think – Paul George is a guy that's going to play the three and the four, and he's also a capable defender. So I think he's going to give – what did the Thunder have to lose? Like the Thunder, they traded Oladipo and Sabonis, but it's like what did they have to lose? They get one of the top ten players in the NBA. Like he said, I think outside of winning the NBA championship, I do. I think Paul George is gone. I right. think the only hope they really have at retaining him 
is winning the championship because then he says, okay, we just won an NBA championship. Let's bring someone else in. But he was adamant about wanting to play in L.A. in 2018. And I think that's where I think that's where he's heading unless the Thunder were to shock the world and win the win an NBA championship. But exactly like you said, the offseason has been 10 times better than the than the postseason. Yeah, you get unpredictable. You get like Paul George going to the Thunder, CP3 going to the Rockets, all these things coming out of left field. It's unpredictable instead of just watching like boring games for everyone knew what it was going to be leading up to, which was Cavs Warriors. So the offseason has been far and away better than the postseason. Yeah, and I don't know, man. I really disagree with you thinking that uh, Westbrook and Paul George are better than Harden and Chris Paul because Harden has proven that he can give the ball up. Chris Paul is the best point guard in the league to me at creating shots for others. So they have the ability to adjust to one another, to understand how the game is played and get better shots for each other. Whereas Westbrook, I just feel like it's his way or the highway. You know, I, I don't think he's going to be able to adjust his game towards what Paul George does best. I mean, he didn't even do it for Kevin Durant. What makes you think he can do it for Paul George? I mean, I think there's definitely going to be friction between the two of the guys, but I think you're going to see them mesh. I mean, and that's what you're going to see the friction. If they're not playing well, if they're not winning games, it's going to get 10 times worse because Paul George is going to say, to hell with it. I'm out of here in, four, in 45, 50 games right. or, or wherever they're at in the season. Right. But I think their playing styles can fit better than what the Chris Paul and James Harden playing style last year were like. And that's what I meant. Gotcha. All right. Well, Fabian Rico called in also, and he said that it's a one-year rental, and they're clearing up cap space. You know, you get rid of old Oladipo's contract, and that he thinks it's a good deal for the Thunder. Listen in. What's up, fam? Thanks so much for showing me love on my station. Uh, regarding the Paul George to Oklahoma City trade, I think there might be another angle to view it from because, like, I, I definitely agree. Paul George is a one-year rental at best. As a Lakers fan, I agree. Paul George, like is probably not going to stay at OKC, but think about other angles of what OKC got out of this. They got a year of Paul George. They got some help for Westbrook, keep keep the reigning MVP happy. But also, who they traded for that one-year rental of Paul George, Oladipo, who has a pretty heavy contract, and a second year in Sabonis. Or, I don't even know if you pronounce Sabonis. Sabonois, I forget. But anyway... Uh, I think OKC like got got a pretty good deal out of this trade. Like low key, I think Pacers got fleeced. But yeah, thank you for the love and peace. Fabian, thanks for the call. And exactly the point of view that you just brought up, I think is a good one that I didn't think about when I put the reaction piece up. Because like I said earlier, I was expecting it to be more pieces, more pieces involved. And, you know, Victor Oladipo was set to make, I believe, $21 million this year, yep. while the Thunder are, pay are paying Paul George 19 this year. So they're paying a better player less money. So you can't really stress it from that point. But Sabonis, I think it was an underrated guy coming out of Gonzaga, coming out of the draft. I thought he was going to be good. But looking at it from that standpoint, they did dump Oladipo's contract. It was obvious he didn't really give the team what they thought they would when they acquired him from the Magic. So he was kind of a guy that they said, all right, let's get him off our books. And even if it is this one-year rental, which – everyone seems to think it's going to be they did dump Oladipo's contract and he was signed through what the next three years I think yeah so at least two or three next two or three years so they get a bad contract off the books I kind of agree that the Pacers almost got fleeced and that's not saying that's not against Oladipo and Sabonis it's just what rumors of other offers on the table were there I mean there was a rumor that the Boston Celtics were offering three first round picks yeah and this is what the Pacers and this is what the Pacers end up taking. So no offense to Sabonis and Oladipo, but it sure as hell sounds like the Pacers had better offers out there. And 
the, the rumor was they just got impatient and wanted to take this deal. But Josh, what do you think? I think it's more of a case that the Pacers and Kevin Pritchard, the GM of the Pacers, didn't want to trade Paul George to a contending team in his own conference. I mean, you trade him to the Celtics and you can make the case that they're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals again against the Cavaliers with a good shot. With Paul George saying he wants to go to Los Angeles, teams are going to try to rip you off because they know Paul George is leaving, so they're not going to give you anything. I think he was very spiteful towards what he did with Paul George. I don't think it's a good way of doing business. I mean, I think you should get the best of what you can get for a player, no matter what conference you're sending him to or what team you're sending him to. But I, I think he's in Oklahoma City because Pritchard did not want to send him to a team in the East that can compete or contend right away. You send him to Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, and yes, Russell Westbrook's there, but they're not contending for a championship, even with Paul George there. Yeah, I mean, it's just at some point, it's you need to try to get draft picks. The Pacers are obviously going to be in rebuild mode. And at the deadline, think about this. Lou Williams was traded for a first-round draft pick. Bojan right. Bogdanovic was traded for a first-round draft Jeez. pick. Uh, Buddy Heald, Tyree Garrett, was traded for – well, DeMarcus Cousins, obviously, first-round draft pick. But think about all these trades. Serge Ibaka, everything that happened at the deadline included a first-round included first round draft picks, it seems. It seems like every, every team wants to trade these. And the Pacers trade a top-10 player in the NBA and don't get a first or even a second-round draft pick back. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's just surprising to me that they're entering this huge rebuild mode that you know they're going to be in, and they didn't want they didn't want picks or they, they took young assets, but they didn't want picks to draft their own young assets. Yeah, it, it really makes no sense. And uh, to get to this call from the Colf man, who's a big fan of the show, love his energy, he's saying that this is good for the Lakers. Let's listen in. Josh, AJ, it's the Colf man, yes. Paul George off to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And with myself being a Los Angeles Lakers fan, I could not be happier with this move. You guys know why. Um, with uh, Paul George looking to move on after this year, I think if he was to move on to the Houston Rockets, the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Boston Celtics and was to, uh, say, make a run at the NBA Finals, uh, there's always the possibility that, uh, hey, this winning is pretty good. I think I'll stay around here instead of joining the Lakers. But him off to OKC, there's no chance of that. They'll be entertaining next year, but they are not going to impact deep into the playoffs. I think it's a move uh, from OKC to, uh, to sign Russ Westbrook to uh, a long-term deal. That will be in effect, but Paul George looking good to be a Laker after next season. Yeah, Kaufman, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, he's going to be a Laker. This kind of solidifies it. I mean, he's not going to be contending with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think Russell Westbrook is a very difficult person to play with. It's going to take more than a year for him to get used to him. So I, I think this is a one-year rental. I think this pretty much solidifies the fact that Paul George is going to be a Laker because the only other team I thought that was a threat was the Clippers. And now that Chris Paul's gone from there, I don't see it happening. Yeah, he is a Laker, but what I think will be interesting will be – if he spends this year in Oklahoma City trying to recruit Russell Westbrook to go with him. I mean, that's what Russell Westbrook went to UCLA, Los Angeles area. Does he want to go back? Can Paul George say, hey, screw the thunder here. Let's go Let's go form our own super team in L.A., you know, Lonzo Ball, Russell Westbrook, Paul George. But that's what maybe Paul George is going to be trying to do in, in the thunder. Maybe they're out of playoff contention. He says, hey – we need to think about this. Let's go play in L.A. But, yeah, I mean, Paul George, outside of the Thunder winning the NBA championship, which is not going to happen, Paul George is going to be a Los Angeles Laker for the 2018-19 season. All right, let's turn our attention somewhere else. I kind of want to go to Los Angeles. You know, Blake Griffin just re-signed with the Clippers. But, you know, Chris Paul's gone, so it's almost like 
their windows closed. I, I you know, Blake Griffin. I don't know if you could build around him. He's always injured. He doesn't really have a jump shot. I don't know if he's really a leader of a team. We're about to find out. I think the Lob City days are over. The days of the Clippers even being in the contender conversations over. And say what you feel called into our station. And he asks, is it time to call out Doc Rivers? What's up, guys? Love the segment about the Chris Paul trade, sending him over to the Houston Rockets. But I feel like you guys only really covered how this trade affected Houston. So I decided to call in and ask, how does it affect L.A.? And on top of that, I have an even killer question here for you. Is it time to call out Doc Rivers because the rumors are Chris Paul wanted to leave because he couldn't stand the favoritism that Doc Rivers showed his son, Austin Rivers. And to me, being an L.A. guy, that's unacceptable. The Clippers were amongst the most talented teams in the league, and it looks like they're slowly falling apart. And I just got to say, I think it's due to Doc Rivers. But I wanted to get your take. Thanks for listening, guys. All right, AJ, I'm going to ask you, is it time to call Doc Rivers or not? Yes, absolutely, Phil. I am 100% on board with this. I said a while ago that, I mean, if, if, before when the playoffs were starting, you know, there was the talk, obviously, can the Clippers get past the finals? And I said, if they don't, if they were going to look to rebuild, they need to completely rebuild. And I meant that by firing Doc Rivers. Now, it's been a while since I talked about that, but I, com- I am completely on board. He is a perennial underachiever. At some point, you need to stop blaming Chris Paul for not making it to the conference finals and look at the team. You know, Doc Rivers didn't do what he was expected with Chris Paul, with Blake Griffin, with DeAndre Jordan, with the talent that he had on that team. He didn't do what was expected. So at some point, you need to stop saying it's Chris Paul that can't make it to the conference conference finals and maybe you say it's doc rivers it's doc rivers fault and the part of him i hope the part of him being preferential to austin rivers isn't true yeah i mean obviously he came out and uh rebuted or rebutted what chris paul had the report was that chris paul gave preference or doc rivers gave preferential treatment to austin rivers so i just hope that wouldn't be because i mean austin rivers might not belong on many nba teams and somehow he kept having playing minutes and there it is they refuse to trade they refuse to trade for Carmelo Anthony Austin Rivers is involved I know Josh didn't want Josh hates Melo and he didn't even want the team as a return for that trade but <laughs> I think it's absolutely time to call out Doc Rivers and like we said we're going to see what the Clippers can do now without Chris Paul and it's going to be more on Doc Rivers so Josh what do you think yeah I agree with you especially if that Melo trade thing was true because I am no fan of Carmelo Anthony but at the same time I'm not going to sit here and act like Carmelo Anthony can't play the game of basketball I think he would have fit very nicely with that Clippers team you know especially when you have a team like the Warriors you have to stack talent you have to have some sort of big three or big four to go against the Warriors and if for any reason Doc Rivers nicks that trade because of his son I, I think it is time to call him and I think that's a fireball offense and you you know I'm not sure if there was preferential treatment towards his son he may not even see it because that's his son and sometimes when you're involved you don't see it he doesn't seem like the type of coach to give special treatment to his son but hey I mean you never know I mean I think it is time to call him out to his credit though he convinced Blake Griffin to stay you still have DeAndre Jordan for what it's worth I don't know how valuable he is without Chris Paul throwing him lobs you know maybe there is a little bit of hope being in Los Angeles that you can attract some free agents maybe not this year or next but maybe next year so we'll see who knows what happens with the Clippers but he definitely deserves a lot of the blame for the Clippers not being contenders and for Chris Paul leaving going to Houston I think his day, I think his days are numbered. They get all these young assets. I think they're going to try to push Doc Rivers out the door, bring in a new coach, and rebuild this team around them in the next two years. 
All right, let's take a call right now from Popcorn Finance. He wants to talk about Chris Paul and his ability as a floor general. Hey guys, this is Chris. Um, I've been hearing a lot of comments on the CP3 trade to Houston, and I was kind of confused too because James Harden is such a ball dominant guard. But I was thinking because so many people are saying, "Oh, you know, Harden was you know an MVP candidate. Why would you want to mess it up? Since now he's you know handling the ball, and that kind of got him to that that point." But I think even though he was putting up big numbers you see in the playoffs that it really didn't work even when Kawhi Leonard got hurt they still couldn't really make things work even though they had, had an opportunity so I think having Chris Paul there and letting him run the show I think will work better for them in the long run versus uh, what James Harden was doing because even though you're putting up numbers it wasn't really kind of getting the job done when you needed it to. Chris thanks for the call and I 100% agree that Chris Paul is a better floor general because he's probably the best floor general that there is in the NBA. But from my standpoint here, I don't think the Rockets needed a better floor general. I mean, you look at the type of style that they played. They play that up-tempo offense. They don't really they don't really want to get into too many offensive offensive sets and be able to set up and facilitate an offense. They want to run and gun, and they want to get as many shots up as they can in a short amount of time. And I think that's what James Harden really fit into because I think – they would have been better suited, not so much going after a floor general like Chris Paul was, but if they would have gone out and gotten a guy like Danilo Gallinari that is a playmaker for himself on the wing. You know, he can play on he can play on the ball deep on the ball defense against the three and the four position. That's Gallinari, that is. And then so I think the Rockets would have been better getting Gallinari, getting a guy like Millsap, guys who can create for themselves more than just so Eric Gordon and Lou Williams. I mean, James Harden was a guy that creator on that team he not only created for himself he created for other people now chris paul is going to be able to create for other people but it's going to be just still him and james harden that are the only creators on that team i think i think they needed to get more broad across the across the court you know keep james harden in the up-tempo offense put a create put a guy that can create for himself on the wing and put a guy that can create for himself down low so when you get the floor general here i think a floor general kind of is counterproductive to the offense they want to run I kind of agree with you, but I think I mostly don't. I, I just think Chris Paul can create for others. You know, you said that you want someone who can create on his own. You you mentioned Gallo, but you have Gallo, then Gallo and Harden are your only playmakers. I'd rather have Harden and Paul as my only playmakers. And I think Harden's going to be fine on the wing. Now, free agency isn't over. You know what I mean? So who knows who they can get? They might they might end up getting Gallo. They might end up getting someone who can make plays on the wing. So we'll see. But I don't think it's a bad thing at all when you add the best floor general in the league. I do believe that Chris Paul is the best floor general that is in the NBA right now. I think he dribbles a little too much. But I think, you know, once he's implemented in D'Antoni's system, that's going to go away. And there's talks of Melo coming over to the Rockets. So who knows what this team's going to look like, you know, next week. I think... It's not fair to judge them right right away, AJ. I think we should wait till free agency is over. Paul, like you said, Paul's without a doubt the best floor general. Yeah. I just don't think that that's what the Rockets' offense needed. Fair enough. All right, so let's turn our attention to probably the biggest free agent out on the market right now. Gordon Hayward just had a visit in Boston. Before that, he was in South Beach visiting with the Heat. Then he met with the Jazz in San Diego, out of all places. I, it's time for him to make a decision, AJ, and... I still think he's going to go to the Celtics. I think Boston is in the win-now mode. I think in this part of his career, he's in a win-now mode. He's not going to be able to get as much money from the Celtics, but I don't think that's going to matter when you have Brad Stevens there, a team that's ready to compete with the Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Finals, especially when they have him on the court, and he's going to make it a boatload of money anyway. So my gut's telling me he's going to Boston. What about you? 
you know, I love me some Gordon Hayward. I have a Gordon Hayward Utah Jazz jersey, and oh. I wore it all day Saturday, July 1st. <laughs> good luck. But the one thing, I'm going to stick with my gut and say he re-signs in Utah, but I'm not as confident after seeing all these stars go west. You know, at some point, you're going to have all these people flocking to the west. You're going to see a few guys go back to the east. You know, maybe you yeah. don't want to because they like the competition, but at some point, if Gordon Hayward goes to the east right now, he's a walk for Eastern Conference All-Star starter. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Like not even whether it's in Miami or whether it's in Boston. And the rumor was Miami made a good pitch to him. You know, you saw the pictures. They put their his banner up outside the arena and everything. And then you saw the pictures on um, Twitter. Brad Stevens picked him up from the airport. That just shows that the Boston Celtics didn't send a private jet for him. Maybe the Utah <laughs> Jazz did. But I'm going to stick with my gut here and say he signs in Utah. Now, rumor was. At the start of free agency, he said he wants to make his decision quickly. And now he's saying, I'm going to meet with Utah today, and then I'm going to take my time. So I think I'm Oof. hoping we get I'm hoping we get a decision coming down in the next two two to three days because I don't want the lull and the excitement of the NBA free, free agency to die, and he's really the one big name that's left. So I still think and hope the Utah Jazz can keep him. Yeah, I'm hoping he stays with the Jazz too. I mean, just from a – standpoint of an NBA basketball fan. I think the Jazz, I, I like the Jazz franchise. I like their fan base. I like their brand. I like the team they put together last year. And I think that, you know, adding Ricky Rubio doesn't necessarily make them that much better, but it'll make them more fun, you know, with his passing ability and their and their ability to move the basketball. They're more a defensive team. But if you had Gordon Hayward, if, if he stays there, you know, they're going to take maybe... I don't know how much a bigger step you can take from going to the Western Conference semis to the Western Conference finals. I don't know if I see them making it there, but they did compete against the Warriors better than any Western Conference team. Let's give them that. So they're not that far away from taking that next step. I I, I just would like to see a player stick around with the same team for once. You know, I'm, I'm kind of old school in, in that I like seeing players be loyal, but at the same time, you know, it's a different different era. Like you said, they got swept, but they competed. And the Jazz yeah. also re-signed Hayward's boy, Joe Ingles, so they brought him back. So maybe he maybe he can pitch, pitch in and then recruit and get him to stay. Yeah. But what I really think he should stay because, listen, like you said, how much of a step can they take forward? They won 51 games. They went to the Western Conference semis. But if he re-signs, they're winning 50 games again next year. But how about, uh, how about Rudy Gobert and Isaiah Thomas going back and forth? Oh, man. And then – Whiteside chimed in a little bit too, saying that, you know, yeah, for- Whiteside was posting Snapchats of like on the beach, 80 yeah. degree weather. They were trying to get back and forth at it. But listen, Isaiah Thomas, Gordon Hayward doesn't care about all half of those trophies because they were all from what, the 1970s and 80s? Yeah, there's like, that he put on there's like eight teams in the league and all Bill Russell. Yeah. So, I mean, some of that means nothing, Isaiah Thomas, but I mean, the recruiting, everyone is all hands on deck to recruit Gordon Hayward on social media.